Hi, I'm Ruth from Alexander Associates um, and here with me today is Kate from Wessex Water. Kate has agreed to take part in our terrifying videos um, as part of our hashtag She's an Engineer campaign. Um, thank you so much for being here today. It's so nice to meet you. Um, we've actually probably spoken for about 15 years and yeah. this is the first time we've ever yeah. met. So it's been a pleasure working with you at Wessex Water. Um, just wanted to start with a little bit of background how you your career journey how you got from where you started to where you are now um so did you do the choose to do a levels degree how did you start your career in engineering yeah fairly traditional route i did my a levels i went to university did a degree possibly didn't do as well in my degree as i could have done and decided to specialize so i went to the masters okay so what did you do your degree in did my degree in environmental chemistry right, okay. at Leeds University. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was passionate about water. I've always been passionate about water um, and passionate about the environment. Um, I did A-level chemistry, so the environmental chemistry degree came up. So it seemed to suit That's where I was at the time. Your interests that you had. And when you chose to do your subjects at A-level, did you have an idea at that point, this is the degree that I would like to do and this is where I'm going to work towards was there a particular inspiration that or somebody guided you with careers advice of this would be a great course for you to do for a levels because this could take you to this degree or were you kind of just left to figure it out for yourself when i was um doing my gcse's and a levels i was filled in a number of questionnaires about what would be your ideal career and forestry commission kept coming up for me working outdoors the forestry commission now in some ways that sounds appealing but it didn't really feel that was where my career yeah. had to go. And I loved um, electrical, electronic equipment, and I loved taking things apart, not yeah. always be able to put them back together. So when I was choosing for my A-levels, I had my heart set on doing electronic engineering. I'd even made some inquiries about sponsorship that had been quite successful. Wow. And then at the last minute, I decided I wanted to do something more practical and hands-on. Mm -hmm. The thing about electronic engineering is you, you know what's happening, but you can't actually prove it. You can't see it. It's too small. Yeah. And I think there was a definite movement more towards the environment becoming much more important. Yes. For, you know, it was, it was environmental issues were coming. People to started talking forward. about them. Yeah. Um, so at the last minute in the, the week before I changed, I filled in the form to apply to go to university, I very quickly changed what I wanted to do and decided I wanted an environmental based degree, applied to a few universities, um, Ended up going to Leeds. But yeah, I'll, I'll never forget when I was choosing my GCSEs, I wanted to go and do a, a, a sort of a hands-on, there was CDT craft. Yes, yeah, yeah, technology. yeah. And my mum was talking to me and she said, you'd be very good at that. You'd be, but don't you feel physics might be better for use in your future career? And at the time I thought it sounded quite dull, but she might be right. But then I ended up going for A-levels and that really helped push me down the engineering route. So right. that one conversation we had there possibly changed yeah, change the whole of the book. Of course, yeah. absolutely. And were there any of your family in engineering or in sciences? My granddad was a civil engineer, right, um, and designed various water features and things. Right. Okay. So, um, yes, he'd grown up with those conversations. Yeah, so yeah. My inspiration from there. But no, nobody else in my immediate family is is is, is, is engineering it? or maths particularly. So you did your degree. Um, and then what happened next? I did my degree. Um, I I got a 2-2 two -two and I'm very proud of my 2-2. Two -two. Possibly if I'd worked slightly harder and, and, and drunk slightly less, I, I may have done slightly better. 
but I came out of it with a tutor in environmental chemistry that didn't point me in any particular direction. Right. And during my degree, I'd done a huge range of environmental, different, different types of environmental um, courses. And I really, really liked the water ones. And the guy in charge of my degree sort of sat me down and said, look, I think you'd be very suitable for doing a master's. And there's a couple of masters. I think that you, you could probably get some funding because of various financial situations. Would you like to? And I was very academic. Yeah. Um, in some ways, I would love to have done a PhD, but I was too poor by that point, I think, having spent four years at university. Yes. <laughs> I got I accepted, got a place at Birmingham. In there, there was a water resources masters that's run through their um, right. civil engineering department. And I got a place on that and loved it and did some modules on sewage treatment. So glamorous. Dis discovered a passion for sewage treatment, <laughs> hydraulic side, the biology yeah. side, the chemical side. Yeah. Um, and the, the second half of it, you got to choose. So I specialised in sewage treatment and yeah, spent my summer at Eastbourne Sewage Works looking at fat removal from municipal sewage, which yeah. despite being very smelly, I really, really enjoyed. And that has set the path of my Real career. Path of my career. Yeah, I think... Um, Obviously, we have a shared passion for the water industry because it's um, an industry that I've worked in, in in for 21 years. I actually um, set up the water division at Alexander Associates. And I, the more that I've um, got to know the industry, the more I love it. And I, I, I feel so bad for the water sector in the sense of all the bad press it gets, especially in the media so much at the yeah. moment. Um, it's ridiculously underfunded. Um, I, I still find it incredible that somebody will walk into a shop and pay three pounds for a bottle of water but then doesn't want to pay um, their decent water rates um, to make sure that it has water accessible. Um, and I think it's got, as an industry, it's so interesting and has got so many diverse levels of career, but nobody realises. They just turn a tap on or flush the loo and, then you know, these things happen automatically. But all the work in the background... Um, is is quite incredible, and I think that's just people don't understand the industry enough. Um, and um, do you find that um, when you're the people that you're working, you're working with, you all have that shared kind of common interest? Yeah. Um, but how how do other how do other people you're working with kind of get that love of working in the water industry? Is it, do, do people genuinely just stumble across it when you're doing a degree or an apprenticeship or? I don't think many of the people in my team um, and, and, and my peers chose their A-levels with a desire to go into water industry, yeah. done electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, civil engineering. And during that course, they either discover a passion for it yeah. or they see a job for an electrical engineer or a mechanical engineer that happens to be in the water industry and then they get into the water industry and they, they learn stay there. They learn what's involved yeah. and they stay there. The water industry, UK water industry is very small. You you go to conferences or you go to different companies and you meet the same people. Yeah. I still meet people now that I worked with when I first graduated um, over 20 years ago. And it, it is very small because the knowledge is very, is very specialist. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, th I think a lot of people stumble upon it as I did during, during either during their yeah. education or dur during their early career. Yeah. So you finished your master's and then what came next? After that, I applied for two jobs. I didn't get an interview for the first job, but the um, I got an interview for the second job. It was with Bechtel Water, who used to do Northwest Waters mm -hmm. as they were then their project work. When I um, when I was interviewed, I spent more than half the interview talking about the um, grease removal project that I'd done part of my masters. And I remember thinking after the interview, 
I've either done really well because they were really, really interested in what I'd done or I'd done really badly because I didn't answer many questions. Anyway, I got offered a job with them. So they were really interested. They were really interested. That's good. Fat removal is still a big issue in the in the way. Yes. Well, you see, that is one thing you definitely see in the press quite yep. a bit, especially with Thames Water doing yep. quite a few programmes about it. Yes, and Fatbergs. So yeah, yeah, it's still really relevant. So I think they were interested in that, and they obviously, you know, loved loved my passion and enthusiasm. So they offered me a job. They had a they had a lot of graduates there. I think it was approximately sixty graduates a year across the business. So mm-hmm. it was sort of two hundred and forty over the whole four year training program. Well, it was quite a structured training program. So you had certain things you had to achieve each year to to come out the other end effectively, you know, ready to go and start working towards your chartership. Really enjoyed working for Bechtel. They fairly quickly found out that I was more site material than mm-hmm. office material. Mm-hmm. I appreciate now that as a graduate, I knew everything quite loudly, <laughs> quite often. Um, and I did some time in the office design work. I then went out on site and commissioned that. Mm-hmm. So you could then feed your design into your commissioning and then your commissioning back into your design to create yes. the loop. Started working under an engineer and eventually got my own projects. What was your first project that was your own one? Ellesmere Port. Oh, Yes. Thermophilic aerobic digestion was anaerobic. So one of the two, air in or air out. uh, Yes, another one where I've been involved in a lot of schemes where it's the first in the UK. So it was a it was a Dutch company, I think, building some right some digesters to um, do something new with sludge. It was just after they banned the dumping of sludge at sewage sludge at sea. Yep. So the businesses hadn't. We didn't really have anywhere to put. To put it so they're looking at enhanced treatment of sewage sludge so it could start going onto land because that's something that hadn't happened as much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember I remember the commissioning of those. We we did some digester work. I learned a lot about a lot about digestion. Yeah. So I did develop a bit of a passion for sludge. Yeah. Absolutely love sludge treatment. Um, it's not everybody's not everybody's thing, but yeah, really really enjoyed really enjoyed sludge treatment. Um, almost got to the end of my graduate training program and Bechtel lost the contract at the start of AMP3 right. to Montgomery Watson. Um, we all got tupied over to them, but they asked me to come back from site to work in the office and it wasn't what I wanted to do. I'm, it's only the last few years I've sort of become a bit happier working in the office. I've always been happier running around out on site. Yep. So I went agency, worked for Degremont yep. for a while, did some work in the northeast on a sewage works. That was my first agency. It's very different when you work agency to staff. So I worked out with a more senior engineer um, doing what he wanted me to do because I was just doing the process stuff for Bechtel. Yes. Whereas you commission everything. So you bring everything online. So I worked with a more senior engineer for a while. um, And then I went up to Scotland Mm -hmm. and commissioned a clean water plant. It's the only clean water work I've ever done. It's very different. I've never done any more clean work. I spent about 10 months uh, very cold, very snowy yeah. orders. It was great working away from home. Working as part of a big, big team, very supportive team. So I did that. I was with Degremont for about 18 months. Then I went to work for Bywater. Yeah. Spent six months in the design office for Bywater. Struggled a lot because it was very rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of design based on templates. Yeah. And yeah, just struggled with it. Just a different, different environment, environment that didn't particularly suit you. No, yeah, I needed a job. They gave me a job. Yeah, you know, it was a good company to work for. But at that time, still, I wasn't really into to work in an office. Yeah, not very good with the structure and the rigidity yeah. of, of of working in office and doing design work. After that, I took an agency position with Wessex Water, mm-hmm. um, coming in to commission um, chemical dosing plants for phosphorus removal, which yep. has remained. 
the main bread and butter for all commissioning up to this day and will continue. Yeah, so I was an agency engineer. I got offered a job as a, a staff engineer, eventually became a senior engineer, started managing a small team. Yeah. And four years ago, I um, applied for and was given the role of commissioning manager. So I'm now Wessex Waters commissioning manager. Amazing. One of the things we talked about before before we kind of started the interview and we were having a chat and you were saying that, um, you know, you'd watched some of the interviews before and th there were women that we've interviewed that kind of looked around and was, I was the only woman doing what I'm doing. But actually, you said for you, this was just something that you got on with doing. So that probably means that actually have you you've probably have you ever faced in your career where you can look at a situation and go I'm being treated differently because I'm a woman or did you you just you never had that situation which would be wonderful because that's such a testament to the industry that you're working in there's always been more males than females yes um as a graduate there but there were still a lot of females as graduates because it wasn't just the engineering department it was the whole of the business so it was finance and it was absolutely everything so it was a graduate pool right it wasn't just an engineering graduate pool and a lot of stuff we did was as a graduate pool engineers of course there were more i say of course but there were more male engineers yes. out on site was the first time i started to feel a bit different i'll never forget walking across a site and the blokes were i was the only woman on site yeah um doing anything at all other than I'm sorry, the admin and the cleaner. Yeah. You know, they were the only, those are the days where we had cleaners to clean our site cabins. Yeah. Um, um, and they were the only other females, but I was the only female out of sight and the men would stop and look at me as I walked across site. Yeah. They struggled to take direction from me. Yes. There just was a, I wouldn't say it was nasty, but it was a, they were, they'd never been on site. And there were a woman there. And them to do things. Yeah. Sometimes they, I'd have to go and get someone else to go, well, I've told him, but he won't listen to me. Yeah. I was also very young. So was that because I was very young? Was yeah. Because I was female. I should imagine it was a mixture of both. Yeah. Was it because I was quite loud and bossy? Possibly that as well. But I do think, you know, with hindsight, probably there was an element of people not doing as I, as I, as I, uh, as I asked them to. I think where I've, where I've been right and somebody else has been wrong in a situation then there's lots of sexist comments afterwards. Uh, not as much now, but there was the, well, when we should have bloody stayed in the kitchen anyway. You know, those sort of yeah. completely yeah. unfounded, you're losing an argument kind of comment. I yeah. think there were a lot of those. I had one particularly nasty instance in Scotland where there was a guy who nobody really got on well with. He was a little bit arrogant. And I remember in a pub we were having a discussion and he 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 lost discussion. He was on the, sort of the losing side of it. And the, I will not go repeat what he said, but the comments he threw at me walked out of the pub were probably some of the worst things you could say to a woman because there's no comeback to it. No. They're all biologically true. But the, and the guys after it, and they were all like, are you all right? I'm all, he's an idiot. Yeah. It just shows a level of hurt. ignorance, but, doesn't it? Yeah. And he's lost. Yeah. You know, he's actually made himself like a complete fool in all your life. Yeah. And thanks, guys. And yeah, I'd love another pint just to make me feel up. You know, yeah. That could, yeah. Those people were great. Yeah. A lot of the guys quite liked having a woman on site because... It's a different sense of humour. Um, but I went down very much the, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm. So joined in with a lot of the humour. Not, I think there was a line of, of what the humour the blokes will use with you when you're around. And there was always that you'd walk in and they'd go, and they'd stop some of the conversations and then they wouldn't swear as much until they got to know me because I did, you know, I, I very much joined in with them. I didn't want the guys in sight to ever feel they couldn't talk about the stuff they'd normally talk about. Yeah, you know, except football. That was the one thing that was banned. Do you, do you think? I guess where we where we're challenging things and we're 
we're challenging companies that we're working with a bit more and where we're looking at ED and I is actually the 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 argument is is that those those conversations, those kind of comments, those derogatory banter, it shouldn't happen at all. And you ha- you have to a lot of the reason that um women won't look at engineering or when graduates go out on site or or when they experience it, unless you are a character that stands up for themselves. If you're a bit shy and you and it puts you off, you'll very quickly have a career change. And I think that's where the industry and um, engineering, whichever sector you work in, is challenging itself to look at is actually what we need to do is we need to be an inclusive environment where those those People shouldn't have to say, I actually really don't like the way you're talking to me. Please, could you stop? That sh- it shouldn't happen at all because what? not everybody has the force of character to challenge people. And I, what I found really interesting about these interviews is that the women that I've interviewed, actually, I would say everybody I've interviewed has been a stand-up-for-myself type character. And they seem to be the ones that are... Maybe they're just the ones brave enough to come on camera. I don't know. But definitely, I think, especially women um, of a similar age to me that I'm interviewing, actually, they've had to be prepared to challenge people on site. They've had to be prepared to break the mould. They've had to be prepared to push the barriers and say, actually, I've got as much right to be on this site and, and I know what I'm doing technically just as much as you do. There is no difference between us here and you need to respect when I'm asking you to do something because I know what I'm doing. But actually, if you haven't got that kind of character, very easily you could be put off a career and then that's when people choose different routes. You mentioned that you're a manager. Yeah. I guess things that you've gone through in your life probably influences the way that you manage your team. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so I've got a team of, well, it's currently going through small expansion, but a team of sort of 22, 23 people. That's a lot of people. I don't directly manage them all. I have I have seniors and principals who then manage other people. But, you know, within my team, I have two women, but I have a third one starting on brilliant on Monday, um, coming in, part, do some part-time commissioning for me. Um, but, yeah, I've looked at partly... When I, when I was starting as a, as, as a graduate, nobody thought that it was wrong. You know, I think it's about some of the banter we had on site, and it was, it was awful. It was awful. Construction sites still have a long, long way to go, but things were a lot, lot better. Yeah, at the calendars. Yes. I think it was sitting in meetings opposite the calendars. And that's when I started to think, hang on, this is yeah. right. And that, that's you know, what you think of women. That, so, you know, yeah. 20 years ago, the calendars were everywhere. Now, I, Wessex Water, you know, would have complete zero tolerance. And there's yeah. absolutely zero tolerance of anything yeah. like that. And that has, that has, that's changed. That yeah. was one of the, that was probably the thing I found most offensive. Yes. Especially some of them. Well, I was an engineer and I didn't want to have it, as, as most engineers don't, most most engineers don't go, oh, I want to be a people manager. You know, it's just, for the pe- most engineers I've spoken to, they don't have any desire to be a people yeah. manager. And I certainly didn't. But the person who was my line manager for 17 years at Wessex pushed me down the route of taking on a small group of people. And I wasn't really happy to do it, but there was a business need to do it. So I took them on. Yeah. And very quickly, I realised that good manager can make a massive difference to somebody's life and yes take these people and to make them happier and to make them more developed 
and very quickly I realised I quite like this because I can do this and then the yes. person has this and, and all of a sudden because people man- when people think of people management they think about the admin side of it they think about the sick notes they think you know they, they think about all that side of it and they but actually, you look at the other side of that. Yes, we have to do the admin. We have to sort out the sickness. We have to sort out the leave. We have to sort out that. But you are taking people's lives. You're giving them career development. Yeah. giving them opportunities. You're, you're saying, where do you want to go with your career? How can I help you with that? Yeah. You're making them happier. And the happier people are, the more they give back. Yeah. And I look at the managers around me in Wessex Water, and we've got a huge range of managers, different ages, different backgrounds, different styles. And I look at people and I think, well, that isn't going to work for my team because what works for your team doesn't work for my team because my team's different from yours. But then I look at other people, I think, I love the way you do that. I really think that's going to work for my team. Um, I also have a team of very honest people who, if I ask for feedback and anything they want to change, they will tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, it's a bit. it takes me back a bit. But I love the fact that they feel that they're able to do that because yeah. I'm doing something that's not, that's making them unhappy that we can easily change yeah then fine i can change it yeah. and and it's all about communication everything is about communicating way manage it always yeah. about communication which is as people who know me will laugh about this it's as much about listening as it is about talking yeah it's not my stronger my stronger point is talking but i am becoming a better listener and i think the other thing that that makes a, a good manager is someone who can sit and look at who they are and go, well, my strong point isn't listening or my strong point isn't this. This is my strong point, but this is where I need to develop and I need to be aware for me that my listening skills aren't as good. Whereas yeah. an engineer, none of it was about me. It was just about the job. Get yeah. the job done. Yeah. doesn't really matter about the people. Yeah, you might have upset that person, but at the end of the day, we've delivered the job and you know we're still mates and it's all right. But no, it's completely different for me. It's about the people. Yeah. Yes, we have to deliver the job. But the people for me are now more important than than the job. And yeah. I think that's the biggest change. You know, almost everyone I manage is an engineer, a yeah. graduate engineer, a technician. So we have a route into our team for the non academic people. People coming up through the apprenticeship routes. Or... Well, what I what I focused on and we've just started doing this is operators within the business. Okay, yeah. They may have hit a sort of a glass ceiling, very good operators. You know, they don't in op- in operations you there are you, you can go so high as an operator and then your route more is into management. Mm-hmm. If they want to keep going with the technical, well, you know, I, I've recruited one very good operator. He's come into my team and there's now an opportunity, hopefully, for him to develop to be an engineer. Yeah. And then we've got the graduates coming in with a, a relevant degree and they go up a graduate training route. So we yeah. take them to the same endpoint, but by a slightly different route. But the place to their skills. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'd never considered sort of technicians before and, and my line, my, my, I say current fairly new line manager suggested it and I'm like brilliant idea and it and it's yeah and it's opened up it's opened me up to a whole load of a new 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 recruitment opportunities as well yeah because we're looking not only at what do we need now but in the future and also how can we take people who are already committed to Wessex you know who have already said they want to work for the business and giving them new opportunities new career development opportunities that are that are future proofing the team to a certain extent so that we know a lot yeah, of work during us during people we've got a huge yeah. amount of work coming up in the next next amp the next water um, cycle within the water period we know we've got a lot of work we need a lot of people yeah starting to do that and try and you know take people who had never considered going into engineering because they didn't think they had the skills or the qualifications and trying to sort of move them up give through the practice giving them that opportunity yeah. yeah and you you mentioned that you were maybe a little bit of a reluctant manager 
Um, and um, I, I promise we won't go on about this too much. But one of the subjects that um, we've spoken about a lot during these videos is how the menopause and being perimenopausal affects your and affects your abilities in the workplace. I, one of the things I talk about, and I'm sure I'm boring people about it now, but the brain fog for me mm. was the worst thing I've ever experienced. And it threw me. I just didn't understand after 21 years of, you know, being able to kind of trip names off and I knew who I was talking about and blah, and then nothing. I'd be in mid-conversation and my mind would go blank or I'd be in a meeting and you, you've got people looking at you and then you start thinking, oh my goodness, this is all this is all unravelling. What's wrong with me? And it, I didn't know that was even a symptom of the menopause. No, I mean, I thought you got hot sweats and I, apparently that was it. No, no. I mean, there's a hundred things to deal with. So when the brain fog, this brain fog hits and it, it, it wasn't until I was talking to somebody else that they said, oh, yeah, I had that because I was perimenopausal. And I thought, oh. What is this? And and started looking into it and realizing what I was going through. Actually, a lot of people were going through. But what I found incredible is that you, everybody in the workplace has gone. Well, not everybody. Every woman in the workplace is go is going through it when they get to a certain age. But no one talks about it. And actually, nobody talks about the fact that you're managing people who start looking at you like you're losing your mind a little bit because you can't remember their name for goodness sakes. And so, was that ever? an issue you mentioned it when we briefly spoke but what that was an impact for you as well was it well about about three or four years ago I um started suffering from quite bad fatigue um what I'd be able to do normally for several days in a row I'd do it once and it'd take three or four days to recover yeah three or, three or four days or three or four weeks to recover it, it really affected me I have a lot of energy I'm always doing things and I couldn't and I'd go to bed very early and I just couldn't do things to give my male doctor his due he tested me for um, perimenopausal symptoms right from the beginning. And I was like, yeah, no, no. yeah. But because of the way... And I haven't got hot flashes. No, it's not me. <laughs> and it was, it was at the time, it, I thought it was the only symptom I have. With hindsight, I realised there were other perimenopausal symptoms, but as you said, no one knows what they are. Yeah. So I, I was given the label of ME and told, you know, you, you're going to have to learn to live with it. And then last year, things got very, very bad. Um, they started with me sitting at my desk and crying a lot no. for no reason um which was quite hard it came to a head when i was having a meeting with two older my, well it's older my age men and one one younger man and somebody asked me it was quite a direct question but it wasn't a problem and i just sat there and i just crop properly burst into tears so when i cleared myself up came back in explained what it was um oh you know explained that it, it was hormone related and two older guys were absolutely great we had a really good conversation the younger guy did leave the room as, <laughs> as quickly as he could so i went to the doctor told her and she said oh, that hrt and i genuinely said no because i'm not old enough yeah because it's always something that happened to older women yeah and anyway long story short i've now gone on to hrt because things were very very hard at home my poor husband put up with an awful lot and i i couldn't don't think i could have carried on with functioning within my life yeah as I was yeah I was without it but one of the drivers for me going from an engineer to a manager was the fact that because I had this incredibly low energy level I couldn't do eight hours a day of running around running on well, no site. don't run on site we know walking in order and and I'm managing things and managing big groups of people to achieve things and having to be on it all the time we do a lot of software testing you've got to be on it like this you've got to be thinking and I just come home at the end of the day and I'd just be 
broken with tiredness. And I thought, don't want to do this anymore. Mm. And managing is, it's very, very stressful, but they're not now. They're not, this pump is pumping to there and it shouldn't be. What are we going to do now? This pipe fractured, this, this, we have issues. What are we going to, how are we going to resource for next six months, for next year? Yeah, how different we, issues, isn't different it? Issues. Yeah. They're, they're not immediate. Occasionally there's a phone call from site and you have to deal with something, but they, it's, I was out doing a bit of commissioning earlier this week and it was like this and I'm just, I don't miss it. I don't miss it. I no, Really? I now prefer the, the, the bigger issues. But yeah, I'm, when you say people don't talk about the menopause, I'm, have been very vocal about it, partly because I believe there are people who don't, who aren't as happy just standing up and talking about something yeah. I am. And by me being a bit more vocal, it makes them realise They're not going to suffer as much. And also, yeah. a couple of people I've talked to and said, if you thought it might be this, they're like, Oh no! Yeah, but only because we talk, and only because somebody talked to me did I realise, and only because I talked to other people. Yeah, but Wessex Water has a lot of women who work for it. There's a lot of women of a certain age who work for it, so um, it is talked about. You know, we have a menopause policy. We have a menopause. Well, they're men- well, I call them menopause coffee mornings, and they are just where you can go along and have a chat. And it's very much part. That's, but that's so good because that's one of the. You know, we talk about. Um, with ED and I, we talk about how companies need to make culture change. Mm. And you say that to a, a, an organisation and they go, oh, we can't change our culture. And actually, there are tiny, tiny little things that you can do um, that will uh, will change the culture of your business to be more inclusive. And that's what we're, you know, you're looking for. And menopause support groups, as I think they're called in some businesses. Yeah. Actually, it just means you've got somebody that you can go to and go, oh, this is awful. This is what I'm going through. And actually, there's an understanding of what you're going through and a business can support you with what you're going through rather than you just feel so isolated and so alone. And I think it's one of the statistics is that women will choose to go, you'll see them go part time. And it always seems to be around that circa 45 age because actually... I can't do this anymore and no understanding of why you can't do it, no support from a business that you're working with. So I'll step away and I'll I'll go part-time and I'll make these changes to my life. And actually, when you've got support and understanding, you you can carry on going. Um, And so that's that Wessex have got those things in place is, is brilliant. It is getting better. And the more women that come into engineering and um you know the the more that it is um talked about in schools uh, when for early careers um in, in early years and for when you're talking about career choices all those things will mean we have a sustainable industry for 20 years otherwise it's a little bit in crisis because there is a skill shortage and it is real and so organizations again i think what will promote um edni within companies is them looking at who they've got. How can we foster the talent that we've got? What We can look at the organisation and we can look at different people in different parts of the business and where can we help them and where can we move them? So I think all all the things that are happening and actually ED&I being a bit of a buzzword at the moment, which it is, I think that's brilliant. Actually, you know, ticking a box for the sake of it, probably not so much, but at least it's getting people thinking about it, talking about it. Um, so yeah, and I think the menopause is such an obvious one because actually when you look around the company you work in, the women do tend to be of a similar age. Yeah. Um, and it's something that is going to affect their workforce. So you're, you're managing people now. Mm. 
Um, and you talked about um, that you'd like to do a PhD. Do you think you'll ever? Do you think no, you'll I ever... think I w- would like. So you like, like to have done? I love the idea of doing research. I love, absolutely love that. Yeah, idea. because actually, you joined the industry when we see massive changes in technology yeah. as well. When I yeah. look at, you know, the, when I, the little bit of um, water I know, when I look at the changes from the kind of people I was recruiting to what they're working on now, in the last 20 years, it's massively developed. Um, so, it, it, you know, if it continues for the next 20 years, it's going to be incredible um, what people are doing, with steward, well, especially what they do with sludge and everywhere it goes. But this it has to continue because the technology we have at the moment doesn't meet what we know the treat the treatment standards we're going to have to achieve in the future yeah because what's happened in my lifespan is we've gone from set out a bit a bit of this chuck it in the river and that'll be fine yeah actually can you treat for this can you treat for this and now they're looking at macro pollutants and micro pollutants and antibiotics and all these things that eventually at some point we're gonna have to be taking out of sewage we don't have the technology no so it's one of those um um, bits of the industry where the technology is gonna have to keep growing and tightening and tightening and sewage works have gone from being these concrete tanks where you settle a bit of stuff out to these highly technical you know huge amounts of software huge amounts of control um i do feel sorry for some people who have been in the industry a while because the industry is changing quicker in some ways than some people but change absolutely but for you know for young people or you know younger people coming into it there is it's, um, it's so much development to be done it's such an interesting yes especially as you say with sludge treatment yeah. Um, but we you know we go to conferences and people have built these little, you know, we, we've made it work and they've got these little desk studies that are this big. But you know that in five years' time, they're going to be, or 10 years' time, they're going to be out on site yeah. doing it. And it all starts with these little PhD bench bench test things. And that fascinates me. Yeah. But unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily pay very well. Going <laughs> from being a manager back to being a PhD, I'd certainly, yeah. certainly, I'd certainly miss miss that. Yeah. But I've always been fascinated in that side of it. And I do try and keep, you know, I do go to conferences. One of the um, things that we talk about quite a bit is um, representation and how people need somebody to aspire to. Um, and quite often it's the um, the mentors or the inspiration that you've had in your life um, that lead you um, to the career that you have. Do, have you got any particular role models um, or people that really influenced your decision. Well, I was, or one of my one of my earliest memories is um, my dad and I building Meccano. I think it was a car or a windmill when I was. I can't have been more than more than four. Um, and around the same time, they gave me a Lego train, which I still have. It's probably worth a lot of money now. It's quite <laughs> so right from the beginning. And I presume my parents gave them to me because I liked playing with that sort of you know that that sort of thing. I had the dolls as well, but tended you know not to play with them yeah doll's house i used to redecorate it so very much played from an early age with very practical very practical toys um and that you know that support came came from my parents yeah um and was very much encouraged i used to make things all sorts of things and they they encouraged that and also i liked going out and i did collect bird eggs and bird skulls you know we lived in the countryside and, and this sort of thing and they you know that wasn't was never told it was wrong. I was never told it was wrong to pick up a bird skull, yeah, clean and take it home and have a look at it. So that was, I don't know if they actively encouraged it, but it was, it was, it was fine for me to do that sort of thing. Yes. Um, and I grew up sort of with a with a passion, passion for the environment. I think from an early age they they definitely showed me it was okay to do to go the non traditional girls route. Yes. Um, and that was fine. Um, and then. Generally, I think as I as I grew up, the whole the environment became 
um, more of an element. And you know, David Attenborough doing his 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 nature prayer, all the, all those sort of things, made me want to do something better for the environment. Want yeah. to make the world a better place. Yeah. You know, I remember bugging my mum to buy free range eggs when we were all buying cage. Yeah. yeah, and that sort of thing, and and I always felt I could take on the world and 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 make it a better place. And I think as you get older, you realise the differences you can make it a smaller. You do when you're younger. So, yeah, I had a fantastic physics teacher um, at um, GCSE level. He was absolutely brilliant and a really good maths teacher through GCSE and A level again. And he he encouraged me. But the way they taught, yeah, the way they taught the subjects made it easy they made it available um and really enjoyed those lessons um god what a difference that makes yes if you're inspired in the lessons that yeah. you're doing yeah um so yeah i think having been encouraged by teachers um again never any questioning whether as a female you want to take physics so you know, i never remember having to go hmm, physics isn't a girl's subject but i really want to do it it was what do you want to do and I did maths, physics and chemistry for A-level, so they all sort of fitted in together. If you work hard for something, yes. then you've got a good chance of achieving it. Yes. I was brought up with, you know, that sort of worth ethic, that ethic of nothing is going to come to you unless you go and get it. Yeah. You but actually, if you want to go and get yeah. it, your, your gender shouldn't stop you doing that. But, and I strongly believe that it, gender should be the last thing people worry about when they look at where they want to go. It's look at your personality, look at your capabilities, look at who you are and what you want to achieve and never turn around and say, well, as a woman, I don't think I should be doing that. In the same way I said exactly to a man, if a man wants to go into a, a traditional role for men, don't let your gender stop you. It should be who you are and yeah. what you want to do and what you're capable of should drive you and people should worry less. I mean, I've never lived, I don't think at any point have there been fewer social norms. Yep. The, you, you, we look at what was it, what was considered normal and acceptable 10 years ago when you look at the diversity you see just yeah. coming into London today the people I've, the people you see yeah. the way people dress the way people are everybody would have been staring at people and now it's just really good that people can be Absolutely. who they want to be yeah. but that takes courage yeah. and if you're not brought up with that courage if you don't have that inherent courage you need to either find you know find it from somewhere change your mind or find someone who will give you that courage and something I feel I'm now able to do and that's something I want to do over the next few years is help people, especially young women, maybe from disadvantaged backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And Wessex Water does work with some of the people from the disadvantaged areas yeah. they cover. People who may not have thought about doing A-level or further education definitely wouldn't have thought about engineering. Um, giving them the opportunity. And I'd like to be able to go and work with people and go, actually... Engineering, you know, we don't sit there behind computers and add things up on the yeah. engineering. It's about going out on site and yeah. about making the theory happen. It's about solving problems, practical things. I yeah. have this problem. I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And all this is a problem solved. But it's not just the design element. It's the real bits out on site. And it's fun and it's exciting. And, yeah. and yes, you may be the only woman working with 20 men, but also he may be the only person who's gay and she may be the only married person. But they don't let that hold them back. The thing about your um your your sex or your gender is that it's very visible. Yep. And so it's very obvious you're the only female in a group of males. But hey, so what? One other thing is that women and men work in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, women are generally, and this is generalising, more empathetic um, than a lot of men. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that sometimes 
a bloke to bloke, but ah, oh, good boy, well done, you've done, you know, good lad, you've done that really well, off you go. And sometimes women, especially younger women who may be feeling slightly more insecure, need a bit more of that intervention. But a lot of men may not be happy or know how. It's, it's not knowing how yeah, to do it, isn't it? How to do it, knowing how to react. Yeah, and that's I think a big challenge in engineering has been traditionally male, whereas oh, good lad, yeah, good job, well done, good to. And then actually bringing women in who 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 may need to be not spoken to in a different way. I don't mean in that patronise it, but may need a different approach. Yeah. And we just expect male managers who have managed men for a long time all of a sudden to no, people yeah. work differently. So I think it's also about training those people mm-hmm. who've been in the business a long time how to approach and how to talk to people who aren't these who men that you could you know, they that they might need a slightly gentler, a slightly softer approach yeah. as well. And I think that's Something that is gradually coming through, yeah. but we we expect um, engineering that has been entirely male dominated to suddenly start accepting women into it, but we haven't necessarily paid Given enough them attention absolutely. to those people who have to change yeah. the way that they act and the way that they are in order for women to yeah. work with them. But I, yeah, I do think you know it's the whole the whole of the engineering needs to to change. But women coming in need to accept that they are coming into an industry that has been male-dominated for a long time and it t- change takes time. time absolutely. Generally, people are trying, but people are going to get it wrong. And often, not to take that personally, yeah. they may have said the wrong thing, they may have opened the door for you when you didn't want them to or not open when they did. But there is a lot of confusion about, do you treat someone yeah. as an equal? Yeah. If someone wants to open the door for me, great. Yeah. I will also open the door for them. If they're yep. really uncomfortable about going through the door for me, well, yeah, I, I haven't got the energy to worry about it too yeah. much. But I just think that, I mean, I personally think people should be treated for who they are mm-hmm. and what they are, not necessarily, you know, not necessarily because they're male or female or gay or straight or married, you know, all the protected characteristics. Yeah. That they shouldn't affect the way people are at work. Yeah. But somebody may need to be spoken to in a different way because that's their character. Thank you so much for taking the time to come in and speak to me. It's been wonderful and learning all about your career, especially after talking to you for such a long time. It's so nice to actually get to know you and your journey of your career. Um, And I know that others are going to find this inspirational. So thank you. We really appreciate it. It's been great to meet you. Thanks for for inviting me along. (laughs) 